0: This trip report is made possible by the generous support from the Fernline Patreon backers. To learn more about how you can support the Fernline on Patreon, go to thefernline.com and click the support tab, or go to patreon.com slash thefernline. It's 2 a.m. You're sitting around the campfire with your friends, enjoying a few laughs fueled by a dwindling supply of natty ice. For the last three days, you've been shut down by wind, rain and snow but that's okay because the next best thing to actual climbing is sitting around and talking about it looks like it's time for another trip report
1: In the summer of 2020, I went up to Alaska to work for MICA Guides leading ice climbing trips on the Matanuska Glacier. I was 21 years old, and it was my second summer working in Alaska. Since the world was shut down, I wasn't sure what the summer would bring, and I was just happy to be up in a beautiful place with my friends. While we had a fair amount of work to do, there was also more time to turn our eyes up to the peaks surrounding us in the Chugach and Talkeetna Mountains. Day after day, my eyes kept going back to Mount Wickersham. While not a notable peak by Alaskan standards, Mount Wickersham holds special meaning to those who guide in that valley. First of all, its imposing north face looms over us every day of the summer, guarding the rest of the Chugach Range. Second of all, mica guides have been attempting to climb it in the summer for over a decade, but have always been thwarted by horrendous choss, river crossings, long glacial approaches, and the fleeting number of days off that we get in a summer season. When I first got to Alaska in 2019, the mystique and challenge of Mount Wickersham immediately piqued my interest, and soon discussions began around the campfire of how to approach the mountain. As a naive 20-year-old, I did not yet understand the quote-unquote Alaska factor or the inevitable ass-kicking that comes with underestimating these peaks. That summer, Alana Newman... Luke Dixon, and myself, all new guides very green to Alaska, made our first attempt on Mount Wickersham. We had heard of the Chugach Choss and the weather that can engulf the peaks, but we still had the confidence of climbers coming from the lower 48. We were loaned an inflatable canoe, and with that in our kit, we planned a route across the terminal lake, up the north side, and then over a spine to reach the allegedly easier southwest ridge. With only one day off, we left in the evening after our clients departed, nearly sunk the canoe on the supposedly mellow lake crossing, and bushwhacked through Alder until midnight, before bivying in a tundra ditch under a single sleeping bag. We woke up in a cloud, And by the time we reached the soaking choss gullies that we were aiming for, it became clear that the stars had not aligned for this to happen. While we had failed due to factors inside and outside of our control, we had a great adventure and learned about each other and the mountain. In that same year, a couple of more seasoned co-workers, David Crane and Marissa Pop, figured out an alternative approach, walking nine miles back on the Matanuska Glacier through a couple of icefalls. This way led to the southeast drainage that eventually gained access to a remarkably moderate ridge. They had to turn back around 1,000 feet from the summit, but their beta allowed Anchorage local Nate Banish to summit. While the days were getting shorter, And this new route would require more time. We knew that it was possible if everything aligned. When I returned to the Matanuska Valley in 2020, I met Liv Holbrook, a young guide from another guiding service who was a bit green to the mountains, but was a talented distance runner. When I saw that I had two days off in July, a stretch likely needed for a mission like this, I tentatively suggested that we try it. My good friend Luke was furious that I would try this special mountain with a quote, outsider from another company, and though I was ambivalent, I decided it was worth a try, since we probably wouldn't summit anyway. We planned and packed, putting together light backpacks with gear to bivy on the alder bench near the lateral moraine. As glacier guides, the nine miles of glacier was tricky but well within our wheelhouse. We cruised most of it in microspikes, only putting on crampons for a few sketchy slopes and ice wall crossings that required front point. Things slowed down when we crossed into the dense Chugach alder, but we made it to a beautiful bivvy by a creek in the late afternoon. We made dinner played harmonica, and got stoned with the high peaks of the chugach around us. We went to sleep early, knowing the next day would be big. We woke up at four and started up the drainage as a cloud engulfed the mountain. We knew we had to turn right before the creek canyoned out, but we weren't sure when to turn in the dark, misty morning. When it canyoned out, we checked the map, and above us looked as good as anywhere based on the topo lines. We started up and found ourselves weaving through soaked tundra between cliffs of choss. While not very technical climbing, the moisture and the dark looming cliffs made us wonder if we could or should go through this intimidating section. After weaving our way through that face, we gained a grassy ridge that led way above the canyon to a snaking valley with rock glaciers. While the weather partially cleared as we made our way above the tundra, our boots were permanently soaked. We put our heads down and slogged making our way through talus, snow, and that vertical dirt that you have to wonder how it hangs on. After several hours, we gained the saddle below the southeast ridge, and the clouds parted to let us see the magic that was around us. While the ridge was not hard, the exposure and the loose rock were weighing on both of us. We hadn't brought a rope since we figured that if the truss was that technical, then it probably wouldn't be smart to continue. We worked our way up with the summit in sight, but as we got to a notch maybe a hundred yards from the summit, Liv said she was good where she was, and that I should keep going for the last bit, which involved some more exposure and loose slopes. While I was torn, both about the safety of splitting up and about not summiting together, I knew my best friend Luke, and the other guides who are like family to me, would be happy. I scrambled the last bit to the summit and looked down at the Micah base camp, miles away, thinking of all the shoulders that I was standing on to make it to that summit. I gave them a call, and they managed to spot me with a telescope. Now it was time for the unsexy part of Alaskan Mountains, slogging out. It was only 10 a.m., but we still had over 12 miles and 6,000 feet of wild terrain to descend. I met her at the notch, and we started the long and tedious descent. We made it out to the glacier, and after some hairy maneuvers around Mulan, we made it to a rib of ice that snaked most of the way back with just some gentle ups and downs. We turned up some Neil Young as loud as we could and ground out the hike reaching the parking lot by 7 p.m. We hugged, parted ways, and collapsed in our tents. When we saw each other the next day, both guiding trips on the glacier with exhausted bodies, we locked eyes and laughed. We knew there was no point in trying to explain to the tourists trailing us what had happened. It was just for us.
0: Alright, right, well, thanks for hanging out with me today. I hope you got as much out of Adam's story as I did, and I hope you can apply some of his stoke and love for adventure to your next trip in the mountains. Just a quick note, I had a lot of fun working on this episode with Adam. It was fun to encourage him to write and record his own piece, and it was enjoyable for me to create some music and sound design to complement that story. So if you have a trip report you'd like to share or a story you'd like to narrate, Let me know and we can get a conversation started. You can reach me at thefernline at gmail.com. I want to give a big shout out to the Fernline Patreon backers for making this trip report possible. And I want to give a big shout out to Leo Franchi, who supports the show each month at the executive producer level. If you want to support the Fernline, head on over to thefernline.com and click the support tab. There you can find links to the Patreon page, make a donation via PayPal, pick up a t-shirt or purchase some of my music. All right. Well, take care of yourselves. Peace out. We'll catch you next time on The Fern Line.